2: I am in hell. Thanks, All I hate it. it. That's so- just flaying, Tolly. <laughs>
0: Welcome to another week of Dungeon Deep Dive. We do the research so you don't have to for all your tabletop RPG and fantasy writing needs. Uh, my name's Tally Grimley. To my left...
3: Danae Bags.
0: And to my right...
2: Lachlan Hoy.
3: Who always manages to look extremely panicked as soon as the intro music comes on?
2: Oh my god! It's because Tully doesn't warn us that he's starting the recording until the and then the intro music just starts and he's like, "Okay, guys," and he like gestures for us all to stop talking. And I'm like, "I was looking at my computer. What are you doing, Tully?" I,
0: anyway, I always mute you before the the music starts.
2: Yeah, but you mute me for an arbitrary amount of time every time, so I can't use that as a predictor.
3: Can you mute him? <laughs> Just for the whole episode? Just for
0: the whole episode. It'd be an interesting third segment, but we could try.
2: I mean, I do have assignments to write, so I wouldn't mind too much.
0: Okay. Well, I'll think about it. I'll <laughs> think about it. <laughs> okay. Um, so in case it wasn't clear at the beginning, we're going to deep dive into specific aspects of fantasy worlds so that you, you have an idea of what to research when you're writing them in to your own worlds. Today, we're going to be looking at tattoos. So as a bit of a getting to know you question, we've all, all got tattoos. Do you want to tell us a bit about them? For sure.
2: Yeah, Why not?
3: Alright, well, I only really recently got my first tattoo, which is on the back of my neck, quite small, uh, it's stag antlers, and I've wanted to be tattooed for about five or six years, but the fam fam is very against it, so it took ah. a while to uh, push past that, but now I have about eight designs that I'm, I'm raring to go for. You're nice. so just eyeing them off now. I'm really sorry, <laughs> mum, if you're listening to this. What about you,
2: tell? What do you got?
0: Um, so I have one of the most uh, white girl tattoos that of the three of us.
2: I wasn't
1: going to
0: say you are that. the uh, most
3: white girl of the three of us.
0: I am. I absolutely am. That's um, probably true. Yeah. No. It's it's definitely true. I'm the least butch of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, mine's just on my on my wrist. Um, it just says breathe. Um, in a cursive script because it was relevant uh, at the time and always to, to me. It helps to take a second to just stop, gather my thoughts and continue on. Uh, you'll hear a lot of ums uh, in this podcast and that's because I tend to brush past things very quickly to my detriment. <laughs>
2: um. Oh god, see now I'm doing it. I'm not going to say um. My tattoo, I have. I also only have one. Um. It's See? <laughs> Ridiculous. you've ruined us all. My tattoo is the Japanese, I think it's a print, a wood print. Uh, the Great Wave of Kinagawa. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, there's no real specific reason for it. It's just I wanted a tattoo on, like, in the spot on my wrist that it is. I just knew I wanted a tattoo there. And I couldn't think of anything that was, like, meaningful that I wasn't sure that I. Felt confident I would like in the future. Mm. And I remember, I don't know, I've just always liked it. It's I saw it for like the first time when I was a kid and I spent a lot of time at the beach back then. So I always kind of was like a peaceful thing, even though it's obviously like a giant killer wave. Mm. Um So I don't know. I was just like, I'm always going to like this.
3: Do you guys plan to get more tattoos? Yeah, it took me a long
0: time to deliberate on the design for this one in that I'd been thinking about it since I started university for the first time and I only got it, like, I got it six years after that. It took me that long to deliberate, decide, and then get the tattoo. Um, It'll probably be less time before I get my next, but I still haven't come up with a design that I'm particularly happy with.
2: That's fair. Yeah, I want to get another one. Um, I'll probably get it in, like, a flash sale or something when they're like, pick one of these random designs and we'll give it to you for 20 bucks. Uh Just so I can, like... I don't know. I want something, but I don't want to have to pick it, you know? I wish you could just be, like, dealer's choice.
0: You can do that. (gasps) Tattoo artists do let you do that. Like, you've you've got to ask them first. But, yeah, there are some artists who will just be like, yep, I've got a ton of designs. I want to try some stuff out. You know, do you want this one? Cool, let's do it.
2: Interesting. See, now that I'm into.
3: What I'm into... So, I'm not a good artist, right? I can't draw, but my partner she's actually drawn and designed her own tattoos and then taken it to the tattoo artist and been like, this is my design, I want it here, tattoo it on me. That's Mm. so cool. Which is pretty incredible, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, for mine, I came with a design. I asked the artist and he was absolutely amazing and he said, cool, do you mind if I do a mock-up of what I think would work better? And I said, yes, he drew it on. I liked it, so I got it. And I'll actually... um, if you guys don't mind, I might actually put his link in the in the show notes. He's a Brisbane-based tattoo artist. He's got some excellent designs at Raised by Video Games on Instagram. Some fantastic ones. Uh, his Jurassic Park tattoo is the one that got me to go to him.
3: I recommend Fox & Moon Studio in around the Red Cliff Deception Bay area. If, oh, yeah? Yeah, they do um, all vegan tattoos. Not that I'm a vegan oh, myself, excellent. but I know a lot of people. Uh, and they would appreciate that. So basically, there's, it, it's all... Because some part
0: of ta- inks are made out of um, burnt bone.
2: Oh, yeah. I was unaware of this. Interesting.
3: Yeah, and they have lots of really cool artists there.
2: So. Hmm. Okay. What about you, Danae? Do you want to get another
3: Oh, yeah. I want my next one, I want to be like a running fox on my rib cage. Oh, yeah? I want like um, a snake in a rose bush. I want a small arrow and a small dagger on the insides of my wrists. I want um, a certain phrase I like in ancient Greek down my shoulder blade. I don't even want to say it because it's like so pretentious, but <laughs> it'll be okay because it's an ancient Greek, so no one will be able to read it. Um, so I think I'll start us off on, as always, a little bit of history about tattooing and, and where it's come from and how long it's been around and what I guess the popular opinions of it have been up until now, because it has gone through a bit of an ebb and flow in terms of, I guess, social acceptance Obviously, on, on a really base level, tattooing is a, is a type of body modification and it's been around for thousands of years, um, but it hasn't always just been for self-expression uh, in the past and sometimes still in the present. It's also been used as a form of healing, of rebelling, of punishment or even religious worship. So mm. there's always been a bunch of different reasons to get a tattoo. Um, so tattoos were recorded on human remains from everywhere around the world over thousands of years. We're talking everywhere from Egypt and China to Russia and Greenland to Sudan to the Philippines. It's widespread as heck. Otsi the Iceman was discovered in 1991 in the Alps. He was a naturally oh. mummified mummy.
0: This is this is the world world's oldest mummy, yeah?
3: Europe's oldest mummy. Europe's
0: old, That's right. Because he... Shows up in so much different bits of history.
3: Yeah, he's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh, God. For thousands of years. Oh, uh, I <laughs> like it's that. the
0: Iceman is a cool dude. Yep.
3: Yeah. Why am I on this podcast?
0: You hate puns.
3: I know. That's why I don't understand how I live. Uh, so, Otsu was, I guess, killed. Lived, whatever you want to call it, around the fourth century BC. So, mm. heck ton of years ago. And basically, they found he had a total of, I think it was 61 tattoos, mostly little dots and lines um, across his body, probably um, filled in with soot or like fireplace ash.
0: Oh, yeah, I'll talk about that later, but there's some cool stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, there's been some really interesting different ways and methods of making the colours or of actually making the tattoos. Mm. Um, so one theory about this Otsi dude, this cool dude, states that the distribution of the tattoos correspond to areas of strain-induced degeneration. So in that in that way, it was actually applied to alleviate joint pain. It was it was therapeutic.
2: Oh. Uh,
3: before Otsi, the earliest known examples were for a really long time these several female Egyptian mummies dated to about 2000 BC. So in Egypt, tattoos were mainly worn by women and those tattoos tended to represent class uh, or religious devotion, sometimes also healing or punishment. Because it seemed to be an exclusively female practice in ancient Egypt, uh, the mummies found with tattoos were usually dismissed by the predominantly male excavators as dancing girls, concubines and such, basically. But they were actually buried... At um, this quite important burial site, I can't pronounce this properly, I'm very sorry, but Day al-Bahari, which was an area associated with royal and elite burials, and one of the women who was originally described as probably a royal concubine actually turned out to be this really high-status priestess named Aminat, which mm. was revealed by funerary inscriptions.
2: Oh, you go. okay. Yeah. So, so it was something for like the upper echelon.
3: Yeah, yeah, it could definitely be um, a very almost high-status mark of your devotion.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if you're living in a world where you become a ruler by right, just like by birthright, then what better way to indicate that than a tattoo? You're always going to be a ruler. Let's just chuck a tattoo on there. People will see.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Continuing on, the ancient Chinese actually used to have a really stigmatised view of of tattoos because they used to brand uh, a symbol for prisoner on the faces of convicted criminals. And that lasted right up until about the 18th or 19th century.
1: Whoa! So
3: it's still, you know, not a super socially accepted thing there, I believe. A really interesting folk legend says that this one really famous Chinese general during the Song Dynasty Had a tattoo across his back that was put there by his mother just before he went off to war that read, Repay the country with pure loyalty.
0: Oh, wow.
3: Yeah. So in Chinese law and folklore, it basically was like the people who had tattoos were either folk heroes or criminals. One of the two. And I guess the line would blur a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) So. Um, and then Marco Polo found tattooing alive and well in northern India, Mongolia, uh, and, and India still today has that tradition of, of temporary tattoos with henna that you can uh, get yeah. at a lot of markets nowadays. It's really popular amongst white girls like Tali.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: So uh, did they were they also practicing at the time like permanent tattooing, do you know?
3: Yes, I believe they were doing permanent tattoos at the time. Okay. But but nowadays, they tend to do more temporary tattoos. I believe it's a bridal custom a lot of the time. Like, the bride will get, like, really Mm. intricate, beautiful henna. Yeah. Uh, Tattooing has been a really traditionally and socially uh, charged thing as well for a lot of islander cultures, in particular Samoa. Mm. So, I mean, the word tattoo may actually have originated from a Samoan word uh tattoo uh, they have about a 2000 year old tradition of giving and receiving tattoos by hand usually using tools like turtle shell and boar's teeth and the techniques and tools have hardly changed from then to now because it is such a traditional and social thing mm-hmm. uh the process of traditional tattooing can take weeks and it celebrates uh their dedication to their culture and and their own endurance, because the process is obviously extremely painful. There's a big risk of infection. Uh, and actually, if you can't endure the pain, uh, sometimes you may be actually branded with like a mark of shame. Or,
2: oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so
3: it's a bit of a do or die thing. Pretty high stakes.
0: I know yeah. um, they're two different cultures that are very at odds with each other, but I read a bit of uh, history between um, Samoa and um, the uh, Maori Māori? Oh, yeah. yeah, people. Oh, that's right. No, yeah, it was the Samoan people that had an issue with if you couldn't handle it. And they tended to do from memory tattoos from feet up to waist. Oh. Um so it was it was leg tattoos primarily. And then uh, a lot of the the Māori um tattoos tend to be facial. Yeah. Um, facial yeah. tattoos for I think in Samoa it's more like a coming of age and in the in Māori culture it's more you are an elder or you are an experienced person in the community, um, and it's a sign of respect.
3: Oh, that's very cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so after the Samoans continuing on, the even the Greeks and Romans used to tattoo like their slaves, their criminals, their pals. Mm. Uh, I think this is quite funny, even though it's pretty mean, but the Athenians used to tattoo owls onto like Samians after they defeated them just to be like, lol, we own you, wrecked.
0: Is there any significance to the owls?
3: Why Isn't the owl, like, the symbol of Athena? They're, like... Oh, it is,
0: too. It is, too. Cool.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're basically, like, just tattooing, like, their city's symbol onto them. Just Mm.
0: like
2: you belong to Athens now?
3: Yeah, like a cattle brand, basically. Oh,
0: God. That is... That's horrible. I love it.
3: I know. I love it, too, hey? It's just... (laughs) It's just like salt in the wound, isn't it? Just kicking you while you're down. It really is. You can never forget how wrecked you were. Um, Roman soldiers would sometimes get tattoos too. You know, there's a bit of that trope about the SPQR, you know, tattoo. No? No.
0: No, Remind us. Remind us on air in this audio medium.
3: Uh, Well, SPQR um, stands basically for the Senate and the people of Rome, which was sort of like, you know, a military slash nationalistic sort of thing
0: kind of like a u.s marine having in god we trust yes cool very much so
3: yeah Mm. and then pretty much all those sort of germanic celtic tribes around central northern europe also had a history of tattooing too like all the pre-christian era sort of thing Uh, like the picts in northern and eastern Mm. scotland uh, used to be really known for their woad tattoos their bright blue ones
0: i mean braveheart
3: yeah, and well they used to be quite feared and and known for, you know, their blue faces and and such.
2: Oh, were those tattoos?
3: Yeah. Sometimes they were just dye or paint and other times they were tattoos.
2: I didn't realize that. I assumed cuz I'd never looked into it personally. I'd assumed that they were all just paint. That's really interesting.
3: Yeah, but you got to remember that like everyone back then was a total badass.
2: That's yeah. true. An-
0: right. Ancient people were fierce. Literally. Yeah,
2: Everyone around you dropping dead of cholera. You don't really give a shit about much anymore. Yeah. Might not. as well just take that
0: risk. People in the twenty first century are softies.
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: With our modern medicine and hygiene standards. And absolutely sewers. ridiculous.
0: Yeah, exactly. And God damn, we will find this sewers episode eventually, and and you the listeners will get to hear it, maybe. Not
2: if I have anything to say about it.
0: That's fair.
3: Uh, once the Christians came along, of course, uh, tattoos did wane in Europe because, you know, it was suddenly a very barbaric thing. But it never disappeared completely because if we hearken back to pirates, mm. around the 16th century, there was lots of sea travel, sea voyages. Uh, and then there was a very, I guess, uh, problematic episode where travelers would often bring home tattooed natives from the lands they visited and like Ooh. show them off. Like oh, Captain boy. Cook. Oh boy. Um, when he went to the South Pacific he noted um, like lots of observations down about like the indigenous body mods and
0: Look, I read a passing comment that he collected tattoos. Now that you say that it makes sense that he collected people with tattoos on them or collected like recollections of their tattoos not yeah. that he had them himself.
2: It's wild because a better souvenir would be to be nice and get the tattoo. That would make more sense to come back and show that off.
3: No, but, but tattooing was barbaric and, like, really low class back then, remember? Um, so because of all these oceanic voyages, et cetera, and um, I guess, like, the Western sailors seeing the body mods and tattooings of Indigenous cultures, uh, sailors began to tattoo themselves as well. Mm. And it started for the sailors being as much about self-expression as uh, a branding or a method of identification. Um, so, if I'm just going to breeze through the 1900s really quickly as an example of how popular opinion has risen and fallen of tattoos. So, in the 1910s, uh, the majority of people who had tattoos were sailors or circus performers. Um, you guys might know, like the really cliche, like. Tattoo design of a, a swallow oh, on yeah. a sailor. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the the popular tattoo symbols we know of now did actually symbolize certain ports or achievements of sailors. So if you had a swallow tattooed on you as a sailor, it meant that you'd made a journey of five thousand miles. Oh, if you had a turtle, it okay. meant you crossed the equator. Oh. oh, so
0: yeah, that makes sense, and that would that would explain why you see so many nautical themes, even in just everyday tattoos like it's why an anchor is such a common one
3: yeah absolutely um yeah from the 1900s from before then onwards nautical themes have always been popular they've never really died out uh in the 1920s cosmetic tattoos for women became a thing like eyebrow tattoos lip liner but it was still socially unacceptable so you tended to keep that a bit of a secret
2: so you would just tell everyone that you happened to put makeup on that morning yeah. Rather
0: than or that they that never like... saw you without makeup.
3: What I think is really funny is is the next decade, because in the 1930s, social security numbers appeared in America and everyone got told you have to memorise your social security number. Did
0: people get him no. tattooed on themselves?
3: <laughs> so he started like tattooing the oh social my security God. number on themselves.
0: That is the least, sec- that is like <laughs> a recipe for kidnap and fraud. I
2: Imagine know. being able to look at someone, just like look at someone for a moment and steal their identity. <laughs>
3: I think the next decade's really interesting too because that was the 1940s when you had you know, World War II.
2: Yeah, I bet that practice of tattooing your social security number died out then, huh?
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, then we started getting uh, military tattoos of blood types and such. So in the US forces, it, it's still common practice to have what they call meat tags. Basically, it's your blood type tattooed on your upper ribs under your armpit and in nazi germany the nazis did the same um under their left arm near their armpit oh so wow but um tattoo acceptance really rose during this 10 years and nautical and military themes are really popular uh and basically this style called the sailor jerry style was created by norman keith collins this is like that classic bold motifs with like lots of bright colors that that you still see hmm. today it's like a real style still.
2: Classic American nautical tattoos.
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 1950s uh, tattoos now became a reflection of like masculinity. So all your like bad boys, your criminals and stuff would get your tattoos, but your pinup women would get your tattoos too. So it was a very like sex and rock and roll sort of thing to get. And speaking of sex and rock and roll, in the 1960s tattoo parlours got blamed a lot for the rise in hepatitis So a lot of them shut down or were forced to close because of the insinuations. And we don't know if that's true or not. But celebrities and musicians uh, started doing tattoos a lot and and so it was still seen as like a really cool, edgy thing. Uh, 1970s, suddenly tattoos were mainstream and popular, probably because celebrities had been getting them. And mm. this 10 years, we had lots of peace symbols, obviously. Yeah. But um, young people started getting sleeves, started getting bodysuits and making really detailed and intricate designs. Um, the next 10 years, 1980s, was a really rebellious era, obviously, so tattoos became bigger, brighter, more associated with rock and roll. Right. Hits the 1990s. We now have a lot of those tribal designs, Chinese symbols, etc. and questions started arising, you know, now of uh, cultural appropriation, how yeah. appropriate it was to have those kind of tattoos on you. Um, probably my favourite little fun fact was the 2000s which was when the tramp stamp was invented and that's where all your little butterflies and stars and yin yang symbols are from. That's the 2000s. <laughs> um, I mean that's
2: what, that, I feel like that's what human evolution was leading to was the tramp stamp. Like oh, that's absolutely. as good as it get. Like think about how many things came together for the tramp stamp to exist and to just be like such a ubiquitous concept, something that we don't even think about.
3: I think it's really interesting the different symbols that are popular over time. Yeah. Like right now, since about the 2010s to now, it's still been like infinity symbol, yeah, feathers, all those kind of things. And, and now we're doing more like quirky design and placements like on your finger, like behind your ear.
0: Yeah, but that, that, that's a good indicator of how quickly um, tattoos can rise and fall in, in popularity. I mean, mm. more so in the modern era because we do have mass communication but it is something that can go in and out of fashion just like that.
2: Well, yeah, because it's like Danae was saying, like the whole 20th century was changing decade to decade and they barely invented the phone.
0: Thank you for that. Um uh, walkers. Excellent. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, the different styles of body, body modification uh, as well as a little bit about the motives for getting a tattoo, what it might mean. Um, so there was... Um, Basically, the the science behind getting a tattoo is pretty simple. Um, You do have to have groups of needles, at at least three needles, to make a tattoo. And the reason for that is uh, the three needles essentially pull the ink up uh, using a capillary action, which is the same sort of scientific principle as when a a drop of water gets sucked up between two pieces of glass. And then, basically, as that gets tapped uh, into the skin, it breaks through the epidermis, which is the bit of skin that we see, um, and drops ink in the dermis which is the sub layer and the pieces of ink are implanted in there and they're too large for our white blood cells to come and take out which is what gets rid of a lot of infections gets rid of a lot of it's our body's way of cleaning up so white supposed blood- to
2: get rid of the ink that ends up in your skin <laughs> yeah
0: white blood cells this is a call out um Do your job better, idiots.
2: First you can't even get inside my eye and then you'd let me have a tattoo. Fucking what's next? Absolutely ridiculous.
0: Catch us next week on Osmosis Jones. Um, Well,
2: no, catch the most recent episode of Unfeatured Articles because I talk all about that specifically. I talk all about that specifically.
0: Excellent. Um, Anyway, so it leaves... So the white blood cells then leave the ink in the dermis and while the epidermis keeps shedding and keeps growing on top the ink stays there and that's why they're permanent so while they might fade a little bit that's just from the small ink particles being taken away and the larger ones stay stay put
2: and i imagine from more and more layers of fresh skin eventually growing over it like eventually it's just gonna like heal over and just not be as vibrant there's just more shit there
3: yeah, well, because really, originally
2: cause it, they're like it's like a hole in your skin. So when you, I mean, like as compared to oh, as when you leave fresh, yes, yeah,
0: yeah, as compared to brand new tattoos, yes. So apart from your regular tattooing, there are some other methods of, of skin mark, permanent skin marking. Um, so one of the other most common ones is uh, scarification, which is otherwise termed as branding, although that does have some very specific methods. Um, So there's a couple of different ways of using um, branding for scarification. The first is strike branding, and that is just a heated piece of metal um, or a heated mould, a stamp, that is used. Very similar to cattle branding. When it's used for artistic purposes, sometimes they'll use a straight piece of metal and apply it at different angles to kind of draw, essentially, with the burns. Um, Jesus.
2: Like, there's a lot of kinds of pain I feel like I could handle. I cannot handle burns. That's the worst feeling.
0: Yeah. Well, well, um, more recently, there's uh, laser branding, which doesn't use lasers at all. Uh, it's actually using electricity. So, it's, Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's electric scarring, so it's a Sounds lot great. finer. It allows for a lot more fine detail and scarification, and it is possible in your fantasy worlds, um, even without electricity being widespread because you do have magic. They can do things like this.
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah.
0: Similarly, something that is recent, but could be put into your fantasy worlds is cold branding. So this is in particular for your, um, races that have a lot of hair. So if you're looking at your, your hashtag tabaxi, yep. Like your tabaxi. If you're looking at doing something, um, with, a for like a knoll, if you're looking at anything with a lot of hair on it, um, this is perfect because what it does, it actually turns the hair that grows out of it white.
2: Oh.
3: Fuck yeah. yeah That's I mean, fucking cool. Removes That's all fucking the sick.
0: And so um, basically it also doesn't call, cause keloiding, which is what happens when a cut or a scar essentially bursts out. Have you ever seen like a, a really big purple scar on somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Have
3: yeah, boy.
0: That's called uh, keloiding. So it's a real issue with scarification, specifically with... Um, Strike branding.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Jesus. And so
0: cold branding actually completely prevents this.
2: So how does that work?
0: Well, basically, instead of burning and exploding the skin cells, it kills them off by freezing them.
2: Oh, so similarly unpleasant.
0: Similarly unpleasant, (laughs) but it's only come about since the advent of liquid nitrogen and extreme cooling.
2: Oh, God. Sorry. So you put a fucking metal brand in liquid nitrogen and then you just slap that bad boy on.
0: I mean, it's a little more precise, but yes, essentially. So there are a couple of different types um, of scarification that are a little more specific, um, mostly are all to do with cutting. So this is a little more gruesome, but probably a little more likely uh, in your fantasy settings unless you want to bring in uh, magic to superheat or supercool something. Um, so the first is known as ink rubbing. Fairly simple. You create uh, a cut and then you rub uh, an irritant, uh, ink, ash... Sometimes clay into that wound, and it it will heal over over that.
2: Oh, so it yucky. creates a specific
0: kind of scar. Um,
2: I feel like you're just asking for infection, right?
0: Uh, I mean, usually it's it's still it's done today. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's all sterilized. I mean, back in the day, it probably wasn't, uh, but it's it is sterilized there. Uh, then there's also skin removal, which is the the most gruesome, I would say. <laughs> Basically, it's done for large blocks of scars.
2: Sorry, hold on, I. Can you repeat the name to me? Because that just kind of processed.
0: Skin removal?
2: Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I thought that's what I heard. It, is, yeah, it cool. is
0: exactly what you heard and it is exactly as it sounds. Basically, they they cut along the outline and then they peel no. the skin off no. a certain area. No. I am in hell. Thanks. All I hate
3: bits? it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's That's why it's used for large sections. No, it should be... Not used for light. That feels so much worse, and that's so, just
2: flaying, Tully.
0: And it is flaying, and this is what this is where you get into like risk of infection in your fantasy worlds is going to be a lot higher if you do something like this. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, um, House Bolton, <laughs> right? <laughs> An alternative method for doing um, large areas is called hatching which is, for anyone who is a sketch artist or is a, an artist of any kind, you, it is exactly what it sounds like. Basically, it's very fine scalpel scars. So, you know, when you see somebody shading with a series of diagonal lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
3: exactly yeah, that. Yeah, cross-hatching is.
0: Yeah, it's cross-hatching with um, scalpel scars. And then the last one is what you see, um, for any of you who've seen uh, Black Panther, or, like, this appears in a lot of uh, African tribal scarification, mm-hmm. um, when you see raised... Um, scars Mm, yeah this is called packing so this is where they would make an incision and they would pack clay or ash uh, into the wound and it would cause the scars to come up raised up so it would have a lot more texture
3: looks fucking sick though it does look so
2: cool i didn't realize that was how they did it
3: how does that not get really infected
0: well again uh, ash tends to be straight out of the out of a fire so it is white hot Um, which causes certain scarring, sometimes keloiding, which is a problem, but um, it is generally disinfected if it's come straight out of a fire.
3: Um,
0: It's just,
2: it seems wild to me because, like, even in the modern age, tattoo artists, with some regularity, uh, accidentally do tattoos too deep and, like, it ruins them. Um, and And it's just so wild to me that, like... That's still a concern, but they were able to work out how much skin to to cut open to put something in without it getting below the like bottom layer of the skin. It's I mean, just like it's wild
0: for for this method for packing. That's a little bit less important because basically they can go below the dermis. In fact, for packing, I believe they do. Oh, really? Um, because it, it, you don't need to see the ink from underneath. That's, That's the true, problem with it just tattoos. has to look like a scar. Yeah, That's fair. The ink has to sit in the dermis, but if you're putting implants in there, whether it be ash or clay, or um, in modern days, um, like silicon subdermal implants mm. um, or transdermal, which means some of it's below the, the dermis and some of it sticks out above the skin. Like, uh, have you ever seen a snake bite tattoo?
3: Hell yeah, I have.
0: Yeah, so it's where you just see the outside of the piercing, but that doesn't, like, it's obviously not gone straight through their chest or their arm or something like that. That's because it is kind of like a figure eight clip. Part of it's beneath the dermis and part of it's above. Okay.
2: No, I need you to know. My silence was not because I do not know what a dermal tattoo is. My silence was expressly because I know exactly what dermals are and I'm just really grappling with that. (laughs) They like, do you know how they put that stuff in? They like... Peel the skin back, and then they put what? the like, like because you know how like in a normal piercing it's got like the back that goes through, yeah. rather than going through, it goes like flat under the skin. Yeah. So they like peel ah, it back. Ah, they it's... put they slot it in there, and then they cover it back over. And it's like no. a figure
0: eight, so the skin grows through mm. the piercing,
2: and if... that's that's why they get super infected all the time because it's because it's like so much is under the skin.
0: Yeah. Aye. So and the the eight is basically to keep it there because if it wasn't like a figure eight, if there wasn't a loop, then you could just slide it out.
2: <laughs> God. And again, I do need to clarify. I do. I mean, no disrespect to anyone. If you can pull this off and you can do it safely and like, you can handle this experience, then like, that's such a feat that I could never even comprehend. But like, dermal shit just fucks me up, man.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, so I'll just briefly list off a couple of different types of body modification. A lot of these, um, I would recommend looking up the history of them because they are tied to specific cultures and specific values that I just don't have time to get into on this episode because I've still got a little bit to go. But obviously piercings, um, subdermal implants, which we just talked about, which is basically kind of like if you've ever seen The Lizard Man, it's where you put little um, moulds, little silicon shapes underneath the dermis and it shapes the skin. Um, then there's ear shaping, which is basically exactly as it sounds. It's what's said on the tin. Tooth sharpening and tooth blackening, which have uh, come from distinct cultures, but are sometimes practiced together. Then, as body modification goes, there's actually also one called purling, which is otherwise known as genital beating.
3: Gonna say that sounds dirty, and
0: basically, the idea was it was ball bearings. Nowadays, it's mostly more inert things, um, usually silicon but essentially it's small beads implanted subdermally um, in various different areas around mostly the penis. Because you know, it was a practice with uh, sailors in Asia, I want to say the Philippines. Um, essentially, yeah, it was it, the the rumour was that they were um, not well endowed and as a result they would get this done as like a... Kind of like an old, a ye olde ribbed condom.
2: Fucking ribbed for her pleasure, <laughs> I was just about to say.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, so then you get into the different reasons for marking. So there's the history of branding as far as uh, marking the rightless and slaves. Um, sometimes it used to be with a Portuguese crown or after baptism, people slaves would be branded with an additional cross. In ancient Rome, uh, FGC um, was branded on slaves in France, it was TF or GAL, which was like forced labor or um, put on the, the, the galleys. Miners and gladiators were ID for, branded for identification. Um, a lot of these brands are very simple. It's just like a sing, single letter, so it would have been strike branding. Mm. In Maori society, high-ranking people got uh, Moki is what they're called. I've definitely mispronounced that. M-O-K-I, which are facial tattoos, um, and they have very spiritual status meanings. There's been a sort of revival of those recently for aesthetics, and they do have a different name. They're called um, Kiritui. And uh, that's again,
2: specifically the modern version?
0: That is specifically done for aesthetics and not for status. So it oh, uses a similar okay. style, but it is not done the same way or for the same effect. Yeah. And it's, it's specifically the way to respectfully get it done that is not um, saying, hey, I'm a high-ranking member of this society.
2: Yeah, it's it's the difference between like cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation.
0: Exactly. And there's a there's a very fine line to walk It's I like would...
2: come check out the visitor center, don't just like knock our shit
0: down. <laughs> yeah. And then in Japan it's worth looking into the history of Japanese tattoos, um, as far as the status of it, because there's a lot of debate over the significance of tattoos. Some believed it was um the low some historians believe it was the lower class that got them as sort of a an expression of um, of self. Some people belo- believed it was uh, wealthy merchants who, weren't, who were legally not allowed to flaunt their wealth. So underneath their plain clothes, they would have beautiful tattoos, beautiful ornate tattoos. Wild. So when they weren't selling something, when they were allowed to show off their wealth, they could show it with their tattoos.
2: Oh, so they specifically yeah. just couldn't show it while they were?
0: I believe so, yeah. Oh. Uh, and then some thought it was... Um, firefighters who wore them for spiritual protection, um, which in a magic setting is very, very valid. And then sort of the rumours from China, um, from Chinese slaves started getting over to Japan and that's when they started getting associated with criminals. The Yakuza started taking them up, tattoos for various reasons. And then once the stigma became really mainstream and nobody could trust somebody who had tattoos, the Yakuza suddenly stopped getting tattoos.
3: Love that. Do you know in, in Japan now, if you try and go to like an onsen, like those mm. bathhouses, if you have a tattoo, you can't go.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? You, some are getting more lenient with the onset of a lot of Western tourists where you have to cover them. Some will just not let you in. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, essentially what this boils down to is there are kind of two questions that I think you should be asking, um, which is firstly... What is the, the style of the tattoo and therefore, or the style of the marking and therefore the method that they would use? Um, and then what's the significance of it? Is it for aesthetics? Is it for protection? Is it for uh, status marking? And if you think about those things and go back into the history and figure that out, it's generally going to make things more informed and more vibrant in your worlds. I will just put in a little disclaimer here. Please be careful with tattoos and marking race because this is a huge issue that people are drawing a lot more attention to recently, and rightly so, uh, is when you get races like orcs are being sort of marked as tribal and linked a lot with African cultures, with black cultures. Um, If you give a lot of uh, those those sort of imagery to your races that are uh, written like that, who are written with... Uh, lowering a lowered intelligence score or are written with things like that so Goliaths are the same they're based a lot of I believe of Maori people yeah. which is why they have facial tattoos. be careful with how you portray that because you do want to you do want to work walk with cultural appreciation and respect rather than appropriation and there really is a, a very fine line to walk most of it is in actual real life consultation. And research and respect.
2: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, not every DM is going to have the opportunity to like sit down with a bunch of like cultural leaders and like discuss things. But like at the very least, I reckon if you're going to include like cultural tattoos, um, you should at the very least work out like how the tattoos, how the like cultural tattoos that exist in the world now, kind of originated and how their styles originated. Um, because, I mean, everything comes from somewhere. Hmm. Um, So if you can work that out and then, like, work out how different cultures kind of came up with styles and then try to come up with something rather than just taking something that you think would be appropriate. Because when it comes to things like this, things that are really inherently tied to culture, then a lot of your, like, gut reactions are going to be built on a lot of, like, innate, like, kind of ingrained prejudices that you just, that you may not have like question and that maybe it isn't but that but it's enough of a risk that I think it's worth thinking about and try to come up with something that rather than just like taking something from the world and applying it to a fantasy race try and come up with something that you think would be culturally significant to that fantasy race
0: exactly it's a good way to make it more about the fantasy world yeah. than about your real world I guess knowledge and aesthetic experiences yeah,
2: and it's gonna make it more interesting for you and your players as well if it's not if it doesn't just feel like the real world. I mean, if you really want to get into like having all the different um, like human cultural tattoos, then nothing's stopping you from including humans in your campaign that have that. I mean, if you really want to lean into it, then just have it be like an alt history set on earth thing and then you can completely justify including all of these concepts. Whilst still not being like, oh, well, the big, strong, dumb race is the one that's like...
0: The one that's got tribal tattoos. Yeah, and Yeah, exactly. Birds. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But that aside, uh, when, we, when we come terms, in terms of more like actually implementing tattoos, um, it's really just kind of the same... Ask yourself, as with anything, the same sorts of questions that we've been answering here in earth context like where did they come from who did they come from how long have they been around um the there's this concept in like this in just like humanities studies of a cultural universal which is something that like every culture independently came up with on their own it's things like um the like creating art and singing and uh, using language to evoke emotion and stuff, things that, like, animals can't do that marks, like, when we became who we are. Yeah. And body alteration is one of those things. So if you do want to, like, implement tattoos, then there is historical precedent for tattoos and tattoo-adjacent ideas being created completely independently by people who had nothing to do with each other yeah. um, for millions and millions of years. So, Or, not millions, you know what I mean yeah, yeah. tens of thousands. thousands so like it is possible to like it is completely justified even in today even in a in a realistic setting to have stuff like that um because it is something that's just kind of seen as something that comes with sentience really in the way that we experience it at least mm. um the other thing is and obviously this is the <laughs> the more interesting thing for um D&D specifically, is tattoos, and there's some homebrew stuff for it. I'll actually link a, a Reddit thread that um, has a good homebrew thing about magical tattoos, but magical tattoos are like a, a really cool way to incorporate it without having um, in like a practical sense. Because yeah. obviously your players aren't going to be sitting there at the table seeing the tattoos you're describing, but they can use them. Yeah. Um. So, when it comes to, like, the effects and stuff that you'd probably want for them, like, it could be anything from, like, in a high magic setting, they could be just, like, stat buffs or spell scrolls, even, if you wanted them to be. Have someone tattoo on a fireball rune and then... for for however many charges that that that, that tattoo has, that person can cast Fireball, and it just, like, slowly fades away as they use all the charges in it. Exactly. Um, uh, But if you wanted to go to, like, a low magic setting, you could have, like, leaning into the kind of traditional spiritualism that surrounds a lot of culture's tattoos and have them have some... a little bit more passive and a little bit less noticeable, but some kind of, like... Some kind of some kind of effect that isn't overtly magic, you know.
0: Yeah, like protections or yeah, um, improvements, uh, things that ga- give you some sort of boost, a boon.
2: Yeah, because you've got to remember, at the end of the day, like the characters in your fantasy setting are sentient. Completely, F- player races are sentient races They're, they have creative thought and expression and stuff, and like you don't have to have everything necessarily tied into magic even tied into like divine magic or anything because there's i mean in sure in D&D there's a lot of evidence that stuff is that stuff people believe in is real but people have believed everything for forever and people still believed that these tattoos did something so it's like it you can very easily just have it be like protection from the gods which gives you like a plus 1 to AC or something um, if you wanted to make it not so truly magical Um, In terms of, like, the stuff that, like, the actual getting a tattoo, I think um, is probably going to be, I would imagine, a quest. Just because, especially if they're magical tattoos, I feel like you kind of have to work for something like that.
0: Yeah, there's got to be either some sort of quest or some, some heavy cost to it.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's like you could have, say, like, a tattoo gun or whatever your world's equivalent of a tattoo gun is just be like, a tool set that your characters get profi- can choose to have proficiency in at the beginning, or you can have it be like a legitimate, like full quest where they have to like apprentice and learn tattoos and like try to doing tattoos on others and themselves and have to like do it for long enough and do it successfully enough to be qualified to use.
0: This is something that I forgot to mention earlier on, but um, I mentioned that to get the ink into your skin, you need groups of at least three needles. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in part why modern tattoos are so easy and compared to ancient tattoos is you used to have to get a whole you know, brush, brush load of ink um, and a whole brush load worth of needles and hammer them into the skin. It was either that or it was done with just a small set of needles and you'd hammer it in once, then you'd move to the next spot and you'd hammer it in again. Modern days we have... You
3: know, God, that would take so long. Yeah, we
0: have motors that'll create like an oscillation that means you can just move it along the line and it will do hundreds of needle pricks in seconds.
3: Yeah. yeah. And thank um, God for that. <laughs>
2: it's a much better system. Um,
0: I mean, if you look up um, the Samoan tattoos, uh, imagine doing that all by hand. There's a reason that it is known to be painful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. it Another thing to remember, and I don't think I've ever really talked about this on this show before, but, like, as a DM, if you just want to give your characters something, you just can. So, like, if you if you decide, man, tattoos sound cool, but I don't know if I want to write a quest about them, like, apprenticing, and my characters are already level 6, so they can't do character creation, just give them tattoo stuff. Like, no one's stopping you. If you think it's cool, then just do it.
0: Exactly. I mean, it can be uh, as small or as chaotic as you, your players want it to be.
2: Yeah. The other thing is if you're going to have tattoos that have, like, different effects, then those tattoos should realistically be made with, like, different kinds of magical inks, which is another, like, way that you can incorporate kind of, like, a questing element into this. Because, like, maybe you want to just give your characters a tattoo gun. And maybe it is just straight-up a tattoo gun, because magic exists, and that's fun. Yeah. Um, but maybe your characters really want to get, like, a bunch of spells tattooed on them, and they want to get, like, buffs tattooed on them, and they want to do all sorts of stuff. So if you want to kind of find that middle ground, then you could just have it so any tattoo that has a practical effect requires a very specific set of ingredients to make. And then you kind of get like the best of both worlds in like character expression, but without like characters being overpowered.
0: Exactly. I mean, if you hark back to our um, alchemy and potions episode, I think it was just the last episode that we released. Yeah. That talks about the same thing. It's that you, if you want to limit it, Make it hard to get.
2: Yeah, you can have the skills be easy to acquire and the things you need to use them really difficult, and then your characters, your players feel, intre- they feel more interesting. Like their characters feel more interesting to them. They feel more empowered as a player. They get to like express themselves through tattoo art, but you're not giving them like a wish tattoo on their foot, you know, because <laughs> that would be stupid.
0: Oh, I'm just imagining giving a character a recharging wish tattoo.
2: Oh, my God. I love that.
0: Oh, I hate that.
2: No, I take it back. <laughs> Actually, every DM that's listening should give all of their characters one wish tattoo. That's just a wish spell scroll to it, cast at will.
0: It just, it, it recharges every month.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Once a month, I make a wish. Uh, uh, the other thing is, and this would probably be more my recommendation if you wanted to have uh, like different races having different kinds of tattoos, is that not everyone has skin. So it's like, maybe you want to just have humans have all of the tattoos that humans came up with, because humans did come up with them, mm. we clearly can, um, and then have like a dragonborn would probably have to have a different kind of tattoo. And like we were talking about earlier with like the cold tattoos for fur would make sense for like a tabaxi or something. And Exactly. Then, um,
0: and then I don't even look- know
2: what you do with birds. How would you even tattoo a bird? I mean, Work it out though. That'd I mean, be fun.
0: I was, I was thinking with tieflings is an interesting one where you get infernal resistance. Mm. Um, if you get in, infernal resistance and they can't be properly burnt, um, you could essentially do molten metal like tattoos oh yeah do things like scarification but where with like a fine gold leaf so you could actually have foil tattoos
2: hell i mean if you get it hot enough then it could conceivably just like affix itself to the skin yeah uh, quite like fairly fairly reasonably Um, That's a really good idea, actually. I hadn't thought about two things.
0: And with magical healing as well, if you can get precise enough with, you know, it could be a medicine check, could just be, you know, a very specific skill that you have to work with them on. But if they could heal specifically the epidermis, you could just, you know, kind of shave your skin to till it's absolutely raw, put something on there and then heal an epidermis over the top.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um yeah and that's the that's the beauty of having all of these different like creatures with like very different biologies is that if something like if we accept which uh the academic community in the real world has at the very least that stuff like body alteration is a cultural universal is like a part of every cultural group then these these races would have worked out ways to to modify their body in some way and some equivalent of a tattoo It also gives you a good opportunity to, again, make it a barrier to entry by having different, like, groups of people that are kind of spread apart a little bit more. So you can make people, like, travel for to to get to things, as well as, like, specifically finding ingredients. Um, Speaking of ingredients, just, like, while I have it here, because I wrote some notes down, like, some suggestions. Like, for instance, like, pixie dust could make, mixed into ink could make, like, glowing tattoos. And then, like... Dragon's blood would give you, like, resistance to fire damage, for instance. Like, stuff like that. Just basically, like, take... I think the easiest way to do it would be to take fantasy ingredients and just whack them in tattoo ink and work out what you think could happen.
0: Exactly. Use some mithril to make a, a an armor-class tattoo.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> I have one more suggestion on what you can do. Before we go to, like, our little break, I have one more suggestion on what you could do with tattoos. Um, Is, like, in, like, a high magic setting where you're using... um tattoos as spells. I was thinking that you could have like a community of wizards that rather than like studying books is like studying tattoo artistry. Oh that's cool. Very s-
3: like Shadow Huntery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, that that is fantastic. And
2: then like rather than having a spell focus and a spell book, that's kind of like this perpetual spell book on their like body on
3: their flesh, yeah. which
2: I mean is a bit of an advantage because it's always on your body but then you kind of run into some issues because what happens if you take a really serious injury like what happens if you lose your arm and all
0: your good spells are on there yeah and you are advertising to the world what you know
3: it's a bit like having yeah. a social security number on there too like yeah people could read it <laughs> exactly
2: yeah because at the very least someone else would know how to do those tattoos so someone would know what they mean Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like... The thing is, kind of my general rule when it comes to giving players good shit is... High risk, high reward. Yeah, there's got to be some trade-off. It's got to be harder than the alternative in some sense. Otherwise, the balance just kind of falls apart and then the game kind of falls apart.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go back to Brandon Sanderson's um, limitations to writing magic, is there's always got to be more limit than there is... Ability.
2: Yeah. Magic has to feel difficult all the time. Otherwise, it's just... It, Normal. You, yeah. You go away. It stops being it's magical magic powers and just becomes like being a god, which is a cool concept, but probably a bad game. Oh, the other thing is uh, that homebrew thing, which will be linked in the show notes, uh, suggests also having tattoos similarly, but tattoos that have effect on other people. So it's like... Uh, similar to like the ancient Roman or and like French and whatever uh, tattoos that they put on prisoners, you could have a magical tattoo that you put on a prisoner that like has an alarm spill. Yeah, people. like sets off an alarm or uh, incapacitates them or harms them in some way if they try to escape. Some some kind of like de incentivization. Um, and then alternatively, you could have tattoos that would be really positive that that like powerful people would give to people that came into their employ to make them more able to do their job. We should
0: go yeah. to a break. Yeah, we'll go on a quick break. And when we come back we'll talk a little bit about a potential story hook that we can use tattoos in our fantasy worlds. It's in
2: And welcome back, everybody. Uh, so we took a little bit of time to discuss, and we have come back with an idea for like a quest plot hook thing. Exactly.
3: Bizarre.
0: So we're going to pick up with the idea that we talked about a little bit earlier about um, wizards tattooing their own their spell books essentially onto their skin as the study, rather than being of books, being that you will write everything out on your skin. Uh, in order to use those tattoos for magic,
2: we were specifically imagining just a small group of wizards. But I mean, if you want to lean into that, it's it's a cool aesthetic. I mean, I would definitely consider just replacing wizards with that.
0: Exactly, it's it's a cool thing. Even if it's a small sect, it could be a small sector. It could be every wizard. Um, Hell,
2: I mean, it could it could spread to other magic users, even like sorcerers born with tattoos, warlocks that get tattoos when they make their pact.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a very cool way to um, add some aesthetic to something that is otherwise kind of kept in the players' notes.
2: Mm, yeah, but yeah. So uh, we have this like group of like tattoo, more tattoo based wizards, kind of artists more than scholars, uh, but very, very very intellectual bunch. And uh, one day they approach the party because the effects of their tattoos have been different. Altered lately yeah something's something's changed and no one can quite point to the reason why and then as the party looks more and more into it they discover that um someone defected from this group in with bad blood and turned to uh replacing themselves with tattoos it's sort of a like essentially becoming having so many magical tattoos over their body at a certain point that their skin becomes more magic than skin and slowly like leaks into them and eats away at them until finally they become a magical lich.
0: Yeah, Ooh. it's a it's an interesting idea to use um the tattoos as sort of a, a container for the magic, similar to what you would usually use a phylactery for.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then it would that then I think creates like it creates a really interesting aesthetic and it creates a more more of a specific justification for the effect that lichdom has on the body beyond just it's necromancy, so I guess you've got bones showing because something like this, something like potent like powerful magic uh covering your skin all day every day would probably do some damage in the long term and then once you become that powerful i mean it would be pretty easy to find out a way to alter how tattoos work so then you see like this this cool quest where you've got like your party like discovering this this ancient lich who's covered in these like magical runes who's more rune than man and they have to enter into his lair and find tattoos that perhaps lich isn't aware of to get past his magical wards. and
0: Exactly, in, and potentially they need to have specific tattoos as wards to the defences, yeah. which once the quest is complete, um, once this is all over and done, you've got a, a boon for the successful dealing with this quest.
2: Yeah, and then you can in- inject kind of an artistic kind of problem-solving element to it for the party by having, if you want to make it so, like, maybe the lich has changed how all the tattoos that we know of work, so maybe the party needs to come up with new ones to get to get through these wards and to f- face this lich. Because anything that the lich knows about just doesn't work how anyone other than the lich wants it
0: to. Exactly. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can use these tattoos. Um, we've deliberately kept it quite open, so it is at your discretion what you want to take from these things. Hmm. Um, but the general idea is that we're using these tattoos as a way that is central to the quest.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, if you don't want it to be, like, something as powerful as a lich, it could be... You could just take the same premise and have it be earlier on in the process. So maybe it's just a powerful mage who's, like, aging quickly because of because of the, the magical runes on his body but isn't fully a lich yet. So then you can have kind of a, a lower-level party, face them in... In less than the year it would take for a party to gear up to face a lich,
0: you know? And I think that just about wraps us up for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you want to catch us, if you want to talk to us about anything we've said here or in previous episodes, if you want to suggest something, or if you want to give us some feedback on how you've used these things in your worlds, feel free to contact us on our socials. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Dungeon Deep Dive. Or you can email us at deepdivetnc at gmail.com.
2: Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Anything you have to say. Any comments, questions, thoughts? Just tell us how your day went. Let us know.
3: Absolutely. Exactly. We're always keen to hear suggestions and you never know the thing that you suggest might just be the thing that we talk about next. Tantalising. Okay. <laughs> and with
0: that, we will see you next week.
3: See you later, suckers.
2: Fucking Bye.
3: <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The TV shows we watch say a lot about ourselves.
3: Like how political dramas allow Kurt to escape from real-world politics.
1: And how Jane's obsessed with identity themes in teen drama.
3: (laughs) It can be tricky to work out why we love the things that we love. And that's why we started the podcast Made You Look.
1: Bothers me in superhero shows. Right. I don't know why. Each week we pick an episode of one of our favourite TV shows and force the (laughs) other person to watch it. Sometimes we actually manage to convince each other that these shows are great. I really appreciate that it could be super expository without being super expository. And sometimes we, mostly Jane, uh, pulls them to absolute pieces. Hey,
0: you can't just hang a lantern on it. And expect me not to notice that that's a dumb pop point to get you from A to B.
1: It's always a pretty fun time. And sometimes we discover new things about ourselves, our friendship, or something about the media we consume.
0: Oh, our friendship. Yeah. (laughs) Come find us. Made You Look is now available on the That's Not Canon podcast network.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.